0: After an emotional and historical day watching the nation and even the world come together to amplify the message that Black Lives Matter in response to George Floyd's death, I reached out to my friend Jennifer Bourget on Blackout Tuesday, and she graciously agreed to come back on the podcast and discuss anti-racism with me. She also has an incredibly unique perspective as a Black woman in an interracial marriage married to a white police officer, so we talked about her experiences and suggestions on uniting instead of dividing people during this time. She explains why the phrase, all lives matter, isn't helpful, and what is helpful and productive in supporting this message, and how to stand up and say something tactfully to someone when they make a racist comment, and what to do if you've messed up in the past and want to make it right. I'm so thankful to Jennifer for sharing her voice today and for the positive influence she is in my life and so many others. Hi, everybody. I am here today with my dear friend, Jennifer Bourget, who um, you guys have heard from before. It was a couple months ago. We did an amazing interview, and it was a little more lighthearted than probably what today will be just because of our recent current events. But I reached out to Jennifer because... I respect her opinion so much. I feel like she's such a powerful, positive thought leader in the space of Black Lives Matter and just an advocate for the Black community. But also, she has such an interesting perspective to being married to someone in law enforcement. So. I'm really so grateful that she's taking the time today. It's actually Blackout Tuesday today. So she and I both have, I mean, everyone I feel like in the nation has had an emotional day, So, um, but especially her. So I just super appreciate her taking the time. So I just want you to um, briefly introduce yourself, Jennifer, if somebody is picking up this episode for the first time and they haven't heard of you before.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. You're so kind. Um, I appreciate you having this conversation and all the conversations that you have. So very happy to be here. You know, you pretty much summed it up. I'm Jennifer Bourget. I, we met back in college at BYU and we were studying broadcast journalism. And since then, I worked as a journalist for about 10 years. And during that time, I started a blog. It's rebranded, but it's called Cherish 365, which basically is about enjoying the everyday moments with our family and really, you know, cherishing these moments that we have with with our kids and with our families and and not taking it for granted. A big part of my blog does have to deal with diversity inclusivity because that our family is multiracial and these are issues and topics that um, come up a lot just in our day-to-day lives with my kids going to school and being around other people. Like we homeschooled for a couple of years and we went back to public school this last year and it was an interesting experience just hearing different interactions that our kids are having. And, um, mm-hmm. this is just, you know, life for us. And I, I think this blackout Tuesday has been a good experience for people, a good chance for people to sit back and kind of listen to others and, and what day-to-day life and things are like for people who are different than them.
0: Yeah, I agree. It, I think it has been very eye opening. Even for someone who I feel like I've cared about this for a long time, but I still just over and over today have felt astounded at, wow, that really is what it's like for you. And I feel like I just keep having these eye-opening moments. And so I hope we can have more of those during this conversation. So I just want to start off with, how are you feeling today? Like, what what are your emotions at the end of a long day like this?
1: Oh, gosh. I mean, it is... It has been just an interesting, I feel like past couple of months, you know, because mm-hmm. with COVID-19 and like the lockdowns and people staying at home and not leaving our house. And, and then it just, all of a sudden we had this shift in what's happening and our focus and With the issues and things coming to light and what happened with George Floyd. I mean, we're all like at home. Like, I I think in other times we're maybe so busy with our lives that not everyone is paying attention to something like that when it hits the news, but we're all at home now and, you know, on social media, watching TV, like it's in front of everyone. So everyone has a chance to react to this. And it's definitely been really emotional. And at the beginning, you know, a week ago, I think I was like, okay, yeah, here's some resources, here's some links, here's some, you know, thoughts. And, and as the week has gone on, it's definitely become more and more draining. And, you know, after a day like today, I'm so thankful, but also just like, so exhausted.
0: (laughs) Right? Yeah, I can, I can only even imagine. And then I feel like you have an even more taxing, like load to bear because Of your husband's job. So let's talk about Mm -hmm. that for a minute. How long has your husband been doing this and what's that like for you guys, especially right now?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my husband has been a police officer for, I think like seven, seven and a half years, eight years, something like that. Um, we've been married for over 15 years. So mm-hmm. we've been together and made the decision as a family when he was considering going into the police academy and doing this, you know, like we we knew that the kind of person he is in his heart and that he's just so loyal and caring. And like, we just we didn't think anything of it when he signed up to do this job. But things have definitely changed so much over the years. I don't know if, you know, it's what's happening that has changed. I think like maybe the same things are continuing, but people are focusing on it and talking about it in a different way than they used to. And it definitely doesn't feel like the same type of job when he first started. And, you know, it's like going into it, we knew like, okay, yeah, this could be dangerous because you could be dealing with, people who, you know, people are calling you to help with issues of of what they're doing and what's happening. And you have to run into a situation where someone may um, be trying to hurt someone else and then they may turn around and try to hurt him. But now it's turned into this like, okay, well, now like you have that still like, and that's still a majority of the job. But on top of that at night, it's like a response to people who think that it's this other kind of job, you know, and that it's like, they see these cases of bad things that happen and we all agree that this is terrible and you know horrible what happened. But I think people have sometimes struggle with disconnecting a situation that happens someplace else with someone from like this other person in another state and another town, another department, another, you know, like right. um, so that makes it challenging for me. And growing up in Georgia, a struggle that I had was there was so much like racial divide at my school Mm -hmm. and I just have always been like, don't stereotype people. Don't think that, you know, just because you know one black person or saw a movie or saw, you know, a stereotype of someone doing this, don't paint us all in that same light. Like get to know us, get to know um, different people who don't look like you and don't speak like you and get to know what our families are like and what we do and things that we like. And Mm -hmm. we might have more in common than you think. So I see how people are reacting to this today, and I completely understand the emotion, like completely understand. But of course, for me, I have another layer of understanding where I know not only my husband, but so many of the people that he works with. And I know that no one else knows them. They only see what they see on TV and what they hear in the news. So you know, I have so much sympathy for the people who are passionate about this cause, but I also, and maybe not now, maybe not now is the time, but I think to work through this, we will have to come together and get to know each other more and have like tough conversations with our communities and police departments.
0: Yeah, I really appreciated. Well, I appreciate that, first of all. And then I really appreciated what you shared too in your instagram the bubble that you saved called thoughts and i Mm -hmm. felt like that was a really refreshing perspective of okay not everyone in this corner is this way not everyone you know not everyone believes in this and i mean hopefully this is okay to bring up but i just appreciated what you said too about a lot of times when there's like a rally or whatever you hear like you know, blank the police and Mm -hmm. how you were like, I don't agree with that. And I remember hearing that for the first time when I went to a rap concert and Mm. I was like, oh my gosh, it was kind of shocking to me as this like, Mm -hmm. you know, white girl that had grown up in a very sheltered, bountiful Utah environment to hear that. What I want to say is what you shared and the way you shared it was so refreshing to me because I felt like, yes, this is the direction we need to step into. So can you, in so many words share what your thoughts and feelings are around, you know, one bubble doesn't have to mean, gosh, how do I even say this? Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, I I know what you're saying. Like, I mean, I really think it just
1: comes down to understanding that our perceptions are limited. Like, I think that we all have to admit that. We have to admit that we don't know everything. And we don't know every situation, and and I feel like sometimes I'm like, man, God put me in this position for a reason because, you know, I don't know if many people can can see things from this angle because we have the police wives who, you know, I've when I talk to them, it's like a struggle to get them to understand that Black Lives Matter is not mm-hmm. an anti-police movement, it's not a racist movement. Like it is, it is there because for so long. Black people were not seen in the same light and and you know um, ignored in so many ways or portrayed incorrectly. And we want people to know that Black lives also matter. Yes. So it's not you know only Black lives matter. But black lives also matter. So I'm explaining this you know to police wives who only see this as being against their husbands. Mm-hmm. But then you know yes at these rallies and in places where people are saying Black lives matter and I'm like yes and agree to this and we need to perpetuate this idea that. For us not to be ignored, and for society to look at some of the issues that are in the black community and why they're there, but when in that same breath or in the next breath you're saying "f the police" or you know "blank the police" or you're saying another uh, phrase is "ac" I'm trying to remember what it is "ab acab". You can Google it. It's not a nice thing about police, like, but basically it's like all cops are b, and you know that's that, and I'm like, okay, we can agree that black lives matter and love is love and you know um like women's rights matter and you know and I see these beautiful signs and phrases and tweets and then they throw in a like ACB or (laughs) AB and I'm like well how can we do that like how can we say like we care about all these people except police like then you know I'm like this isn't this we're not getting anywhere this isn't helping the situation you know right. and I it's almost like the, the good anger. is being unraveled
0: by, right yeah right
1: right so it's like okay if we want to make steps forward we need to really think about what we're saying and the message that we're trying to get across and if, we're, and if we're trying to say you know stop ignoring us like yes like let's let's do that and let's not dilute the message by angering another group who maybe otherwise would have listened
0: couple things that I want to ask you as a follow-up to that, which was so beautifully said. The first thing, and this, I didn't even know how to respond to this exactly, but this happened to me after I sat my girls down and explained to them what happened to George Floyd. Lila, who's five years old, turned to me and said, so if I see a white police officer, then he's going to hurt me. And that means he's bad. And I was like, oh, no, (laughs) no. No, 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 that's not that's not what this story means. But it was hard for right. me to explain to her this was one person who did mm-hmm. a bad thing, but not all police officers are bad. And then I was trying to explain to her most police officers are good. And we've taught our kids forever. If you need help, you go to a police officer, you find someone in uniform, you know, we've right. taught them that forever. So, How are you having that conversation with your kids, or when you sat them down and talked to them about about what happened? I'm just assuming that some kind of conversation Mm -hmm. happened there. How do you teach them that message in the right way? Yeah. Well, so
1: I think that a couple of things, like, first of all, for us, like, it's a completely different, like, I think we have an advantage of like the kids just automatically, like, they know their dad is a police officer and they know their dad. So they are like thinking that other police officers are just like him, you Mm -hmm. know, but we also let them know that And this, for us, it's not just about police. And I think that that's something that we lose sight of in society. And like with this message that's going around, like police make up, you know, there's a million of them in our country. Most of them, you know, they have millions of interactions with people every day. Yeah. And so, you know, if, if this is the huge scope of, what happens we're seeing a teeny tiny fraction Mm -hmm. of what's actually happening every day like we're seeing such a small scope of that so the problem isn't just with police like these things are happening in our other places of business with you know neighbors and at churches and in our families and like if we nip this in the bud before like these people decide to become police officers Or, you know, police aren't just like walking around in their uniforms all the time. Like these people are in our communities. Yes. You know, so if you see something happening anytime that isn't right, we need to be ready to say something, you know, and I know I've had experiences in my places of work before where people have said things and I've been too scared to speak up and looking back at that now, I'm like, wow, like today, 10 years later, like, yes, I, I, I'm armed. I'm ready. Like I know where I stand on these things but back then it was kind of like you know a jolt and I think that as more of us get informed on what's right and what's wrong and what is you know overt racism and what is covert racism and what is you know are things that are obvious and things that aren't and when can we like it's something as simple as okay well I don't want to get too far away from your original question but I think I think the conversations we need to be having are like yes about Police, but not focusing too much just on that job. But in any circumstance, if you see someone being mistreated, what should you do? You know, and maybe just role play and talk about, you know, what would you do in this circumstance with this particular case? You know, we talking to our kids about what happened. It was like, man, like he made a mistake, like he did something bad, and you know, and that was kind of the end of it. From that, and my my daughter had asked me today, like, oh, well, since they're what did she say? She said, since that happened and that guy did that bad thing, like now do they want, oh, I remember she said, now do they want all the police to get fired? And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I guess, you know, I don't, I don't really know, but, but I was happy that her mind went there and didn't go to like the violence that I'm thinking, you know, I'm right. like, does everyone want to, you know, retaliate? But, um, I think it's important that, yes, like you said, in this, we're talking about what happened in this circumstance and, but we're talking about what can happen anytime, anywhere. You know, if your friend, if your kids are outside playing and they see someone getting picked on, like knowing what to do in that circumstance, because if that isn't stopped when that kid is young and they grow up, what, what, what job are they going to have when they grow yeah. up? Whether they're like a boss somewhere and they have power on who they hire or whether they're a police officer, you know, or whether they're like, an influencer or something, having an event and who they invite. I mean, these are all things that we can tackle starting now, wherever these situations are.
0: Totally. So what do you think, I mean, in your experience, as far as if anyone has ever stood up for you before or what you've seen that you're like, yes, that is the way you do that. What's your suggestion as far as for someone like me or for someone who's Mm -hmm. teaching my children um, because one other thing too, that I always, not that I always worry about, I don't feel like I tiptoe around this, but I, it's in my mind a little bit is the sensitivity of the like white savior thing. I know that that mm-hmm. like is a really sensitive thing for some of my black friends who are like, right. we don't need you to save us. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to contribute to the problem by saying nothing. If I see something that isn't appropriate. So yeah what do you think with all of that? I mean I think it's just bit by bit and I've gained confidence
1: over the years and sometimes like when I hear something said like one time I had someone say something at church like it wasn't it wasn't directly to me it was like during Sunday school mm-hmm. and I was like wow that was really strange but I I didn't feel comfortable like number one like I didn't want to like call her out in church and number right. two I didn't want to like you know create any kind of I don't know I just but I thought about it and And I thought, okay, I'll, you know, I'll let it go. But then it kept nagging me. And I thought, okay, if it's bugging me, like I either need to like completely let it go or I need to do something about it. So I ended up texting or did I text her? Or I think I pulled her aside and talked to her. And then later she texted me and like thanked me for that conversation because she just didn't know, you know, it was something that she had said in like an ignorance, which I, completely understand and i think that that's the thing like i mean and everyone comes at this differently but in my experience and in and other experiences i've witnessed the best way to handle these things is one on one yes like don't feel like you need to put on a show because then obviously if anyone feels attacked like they're they're going to shut down they're mm-hmm. going to like either get defensive or if it's online they're going to block you like you're not going to get through no one is going to listen to that so you know, maybe take a step back and think about how you want to approach it and then come at them and explain what you saw that was wrong and see if they have a chance to understand. I know that there's this, yeah, this happens all the time. Just today, someone was telling me about this, a case that someone who is like very popular in social media and he's been saying and doing things that like in the name of diversity, but didn't realize that it was coming across as offensive. And whenever people commented on his post, he would like delete it or block them or, mm. you know, but, yeah. but he felt attacked. And she just like, after thinking about this for a long time, she's like, I'm going to write to him. And she said, it went so well. Mm. He never understood, like no one ever took the time to explain to him what was happening, you know? And I think that private conversation helps even more. Totally. Um,
0: I so agree with that. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I think I can think of two specific examples where uh, someone just explained to me, I don't think you mean this this way, but this is how this is coming off. And the first was when my blog was brand new and I used a phrase that I didn't even know was racist that yeah someone emailed me and said, Corinne, you're so sweet. There's no way you meant this. Did you know that this in the South means something really racist? And I was mortified. I was like, I had no idea. Yeah. I hurried and changed it. I, I thanked her. And luckily it hadn't been up. It had my post had been up for like five minutes. And so Oh
1: wow. Um, that was great. That she, it was I was lucky.
0: Yeah. I was lucky that somebody pointed something out to me. And then just recently right. Um, This was a little bit of a softer example, but in like a gift guide, I had a cotton wreath and someone Mm -hmm. emailed me and said, you might not know this, but this is really offensive to some people because cotton picking represents like slavery Mm -hmm. and and you might want to take that down. And I was like, thank you so much for telling me. I had no idea. We quickly Mm -hmm. just swapped it out of the gift guide. And that was that. And I just, so in the couple of instances that that's happened to me, I've really appreciated when people have given me the benefit of the doubt, reached out in private and just said, hey, you might not know this is coming across this way. And then I was able to quickly change it because I'm super sensitive to anything that might make someone feel badly. So I love your advice there. The other thing I really wanted you to explain here on the podcast is your explanation that helped me so much with why the phrase all lives matter shouldn't Mm -hmm. be used to kind of stomp out black lives matter I loved your explanation of that and if you could maybe just take a couple minutes to explain that here so that if someone's listening who doesn't understand why that's important um can maybe benefit from your words and your advice here too
1: yeah so I've seen lots of analogies out there explaining this and I think most of them are just really good. But I think the easiest way for me to explain it is, is saying, you know, like, yeah, okay. All lives matter is the obvious thing. Like we all know that we all know that all lives matter, but we're trying to bring to light an issue that has been ignored for a long time. So, you know, um, an example I use in my blog post is, you know, if, if we're talking about the rainforest burning down, and mm. you know the rainforests are endangered, and we're saying like save the rainforest. You wouldn't run in and say, well, all forests matter. Right. You know what about the, the the forest in my town? Like that one matters too. And it's like, well, yes, but right now we're talking about rainforests. Yep. Or you know, like cancer sucks. Like yes, but what if, you wouldn't say like all diseases suck, not just cancer. You know, <laughs> all like my mom died from you know something else. Like you. New ones or whatever focusing, yeah right, right, you know we're we want to focus on we're focusing on this right now, yeah, <laughs> so um, so that's basically you know, and uh, the phrase all lives matter it's not like that's been around forever, like if people started that as a counter to black lives matter, mm-hmm. which is another part of the issue, so I think you know, just realizing that it's bringing to light something that Was ignored for a while and trying to just focus on Black lives for a little bit because it hasn't been in the past.
0: Right. Right. I just so appreciated that explanation. And we'll be sure to link to that blog post in the show notes so that people can read the full Mm -hmm. post. It's such a good post. Um, You have a couple of posts that I shared this week that I felt like were really helpful. And that was one of them. So, what actions do you feel like actually help? with the Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter movement because, you know, there's been so much like rolling around social media today yeah. with like, that's not helpful. This is helpful. Take your black square down. Take this, um, oh. <laughs> take, take this hashtag down. Um, you know, right. don't just change the hashtag. I mean, oh my just gosh, like kind so of arguing hard. today. Right. And right. I'm right. like, first of all, I'm like, people are trying to be helpful. And right. I guess from my perspective, right. I woke up and saw, on my feed, just nothing but black squares. And it made me emotional at first. I was like, this yeah. is so great that people are standing in solidarity. So I put my black square up too and made sure to use the appropriate hashtag. And then a couple hours later, I saw someone who was really upset, who was a person of color, who said, This isn't helping. You're flooding the feed. We, today should be about listening to black mm-hmm. creators. So mm-hmm. then I archived mine because I thought, okay, maybe Aww. I'm not contributing to the, co- you know, and I've been sharing stories yeah. all day, but, right. um, but so my question is to you, because right. this will come out long after, not long right. after, but it'll come out on Monday when black, mm-hmm. um, blackout Tuesday's all over. So. What actually helps contribute to this cause? If someone's listening to this or they saw that Mm -hmm. uh, that day last week and they said, I really want to be part of the solution, like what actually helps? So what I
1: think, I think one of the main things is like realizing that though this is a trend today, Mm -hmm. that when everyone goes back to their normal lives or the next thing comes in the news cycle, like this is still an issue that so many of us feel strongly about all the time. So I think the number one thing is just like, thank you for talking the talk, but now walk the walk. So talking about walking the walk. I think that there are so many different ways to do this. This past week, I think there have been more donations for causes than Ever before. And I think so for some people, I think donating monetarily is something that they feel comfortable doing and that they want to do. And totally. there are so many different funds out there. And I don't even think I could, you know, I wouldn't feel right even naming specific ones because there are just, I think you should research it and find one that speaks to you. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's NAACP chapters, there are different chapters, you could find one near you. I like to donate to the Black Alumni Association from my university because I know that that helped me a lot when I was um, going through school. But I I know that in other communities and towns, maybe your college has a fun, maybe your town has a fun, like do some research and figure out what cause you're passionate about. And don't just, you know, I think that there's more love and like connection to it when you do put the research behind it also, you know, because it's not just- clicking a link and making the donation and forgetting about it. Like you're actually researching these causes or these nonprofits and you're hopefully feeling a connection to that and wanting to maybe follow up and, you know, you're going to get emails from them. Like this could be an ongoing relationship that you're building with that nonprofit. So that's one way. I think people who are in positions of leadership um, going forward, like I'm really going to be looking to those people a lot. Like these people with, big, you know, followings and businesses who are promising, you know, okay, 15%, like we're going to diversify our workforce. And then, you know, women in business online, like these, you know, women who have these big, like, whether they're selling courses or coaching or whatever, like, I hope that beyond this week, they are like thinking about who are they inviting to these things? Who can they, who maybe needs a scholarship to one of these programs or, you know what when you're having a you know big workshop or conference or something like who are your speakers what do they look like how diverse are they the more voices you can get in there that are people from different backgrounds the more enriched everyone is going to be yes um so those type of things you know like even little retreats and and things like that like these these things where you know you're often and isolated and, in areas with the people that you know and love but could some of you get to know and love other people also, you know, who is being left out of these things and how can we broaden our horizons? I think those are, you know, just depending on where you are and what you, I kind of like who you touch and you can make a difference. You know, I'm and thinking, I'm thinking right now, like of, of social media influencers and, you know, cause that's the business that I work in, but you know, for teachers and anyone, like, I, I think that. It's just being aware of how you're treating people, and you know, I know, but I know it's like a delicate. It can feel like a tightrope too, because it's like, okay, I want to, I want to treat everyone the same and everyone well, but, and I don't want to coddle anyone or feel like, you know, like you mentioned the white savior thing mm-hmm. either. So, I think just being aware of, of how you're feeling and knowing, like, okay, you're gonna feel uncomfortable at times, and, but it's okay to feel uncomfortable and you know, because I think you have to work through that vulnerability to get somewhere. Yeah. So I think, you know, those are some actionable steps, like just kind of whatever community you're involved in being aware, you know, I'm thinking of like where my kids play sports and do activities, like how much diversity is there and what could we do to change that or involve more people? Or if I'm the one doing it all the time, I think it can get not only exhausting for me, but seem annoying for people that are listening to me. So, but I think that these allies that were, that were meeting and making in this, this week, in this experience, like if they're the ones saying like, Hey, I noticed you didn't have any speakers of color at this event. Like, did you, were you aware of that? You know, like privately, like, like we were discussing earlier, like privately pulling people aside and saying, you know, I don't think that you intended it to be this way, but did you notice that you know, all of your speakers looked one way, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I think just things like that, us looking for those opportunities to, to continue to be an ally and an
0: advocate. So I have a follow-up question to that. How do you, if, and I've never done this before, but say I was decided to put on a conference this summer and I wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure that there was diversity there. I guess, is there a tactful way to say like, I want to be diverse. So, um, I also need people of color or women of color or whatever to apply for this or something. I mean, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause no, I've, I know I've thought mean. about that before, even with like hiring. I mean, we're not in a position where we're hiring anyone right now, mm-hmm. but I can't think of someone who I've interviewed for any of our positions who has been black. And that's not because of choice. That's just been because of probably our circles and also whoever has applied for jobs before. So it's not like I've ever denied anyone an opportunity. I just literally can't think of a time yet where we've had that opportunity. But so how do you do that tactfully?
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a really good question. It reminds me when I was in college and I was looking at getting a reporter job. I was speaking to a news director at one of the stations and I would, and because there was no black reporters in Salt Lake city. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what is the deal? Like this market isn't very small. Like, how are you not, are you not hired? Like what's she?" and she said that people aren't applying. And I was like, really? I don't believe that. But I think that, I think that once you get to that level of a market, it is like, okay, am I going to go to like, St. Louis or go to Salt Lake, you know, like people yes. are kind of thinking, or, you know, or am I going to go to like Florida or, or like Utah? So I, I do understand that, but I think there is a little bit of unintentional segregation mm-hmm. in our circles and things like this. Um, I have, you know, the big blogger groups that I'm in, and then I have the black blogger groups that I'm in. And when I see jobs shared around like, maybe they're, you know, in the black circles, but they're not the same ones that are in the big blogger group circles. So I think, I don't know what needs to happen there, but I think maybe asking the people that you do know who are diverse, like Mm -hmm. where else you could share it, where else you could post it. You know, um, I think that could be a way like letting people know that. I don't even think you need to say like, you're looking for diverse voices, but just like keep sending it out there until you feel like you have a really good mix of applicants. I, I think. love is... that
0: advice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, that seems like a really great solution. Um, okay. And I thought of something else that I, I've really actually been dying to ask you about the media because you did media for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like the media is, giving us the best stories as far as like do you feel like we're kind of seeing the worst of people in this situation or do you feel like um they're showing us some of the good or the the best or do you feel like that's being hidden I don't even know how the right way to ask this question but I know you and I both studied this so so I know you know what I mean with like it's hard Uh, for them to not go to the most sensational stories but at the same time do you feel like there's more good that's Happening out there, that's being then then what is being shown. So I guess I feel like
1: the way the media that we learned and were taught is completely different now because there's social media. Mm -hmm. So no matter what the news puts out there, people are going to create like take the most sensational thing and make that viral. Mm. So it doesn't really matter what is on television because news goes so far beyond television. And even when news tries to cover good stories, people are going to see that one way or the other. Like someone might take a good story of, you know, a police officer holding a sign or something, and it's going to go viral with some people. Then other people will say, oh, this is just a photo op. You know, like, so it's, the media kind of can't win. (laughs) But I will say that there is like, I think there's a responsibility to not focus, or like I'm trying to think of the words. Like I think that the the media does tend to focus on things, and because of that, and it makes things seem like totally different reality than exists. Like, yeah. for, like my husband will tell me, you know, oh, I was at this protest, and you know, this and this and this happened. But what you see on the news is only the this and this, like the last, you know, part of it. Or, I mean, I even remember covering stories and it was like a protest or a march or something. And there were 11 people there, but you had to, sh- we tried to shoot it from all these different angles to make it look like there were more people there. Like right. that's not right either, you know? <laughs> so I think it's hard because they're trying their best, yeah. but they also, it's in their best interest to grab whatever is going to go viral you know and the day-to-day like normal situations the peaceful marches the peaceful protests the like police officers like extending i had a friend yesterday sharing how their march that was peaceful like had ended and then where it was designated to end and then the people at the front asked the police officers if they could keep going and then they blocked off the roads for them and they were able to keep going like that isn't going to make the news. Not like, it's not like just, Oh, these police officers were so nice. And this is going to go like, it was just ordinary. Mm -hmm. So that isn't going to capture anyone's attention and go viral. Like it was just a regular situation. So I feel like we need to get out of our echo chambers and kind of like, I have to take a step back sometimes and, and look around. Like today I went to my mom and as I was driving home, I was just looking at people on the freeway, like do they feel like the world is ending like I do? Like, do they <laughs> feel like this, this anxiety and craziness that I'm feeling, or are they just going about their days? And I'm like, wow, there are so many people that probably have no, idea. like, maybe they're not on Instagram. Maybe they're not like, they don't have any ties to this besides like a little bit that they see, you know? So it's just these yeah. different perspectives and, and realizing that it's just one lens that we're seeing with the news. And, well, and i trying to remember the, your original question.
0: No, you're <laughs> doing a beautiful job answering this. And I think with the news too, something interesting to point out is that they all have to compete for clickbait and for right. the social media space too. They all have to, you know, it's not yes. just flip on the news like it was for our parents in right. the 90s. Now it's like, you know, which news channels are being clicked on in within Facebook and Instagram as well. So that's kind of exactly. an interesting on Twitter I'm not really on Twitter, but, you know, I know that's a huge thing. Anyway, so, but to answer that question about, do does everybody feel this way? I feel like from different friends who are and are not on social media, they're all expressing, okay, this is just a lot, the coronavirus and now this. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I think it's overwhelming a lot of people, but I think especially, I just, my heart really goes out to people in the Black community who are having to deal with these, there's just like a flood of emotions I can imagine right. that all of you are experiencing. So again, just to bring it back to that, I so appreciate you having this conversation with me. I want to end it on a couple of notes. And one, I just want to ask you, what are some wins? And I'll tell you just one tiny thing that I think has been a win. And that mm-hmm. is that today I got online to buy some of these books for my children to see more diverse stories and voices. And most of them were sold out on Amazon. And I was like, this is a huge win. that's amazing. This is great that we have sold, in the same way that we were stupid and sold out toilet paper and bottled water, we've sold out these books that are teaching children about diversity. So that's a little win that I saw, but what do you feel like you've seen so far are some wins within this Black Lives Matter movement, just even in this week or so? Uh,
1: Some wins that I've seen are Like people like personally one-on-one messaging me saying that they had no idea that all lives matter, what it meant to us when people would say all lives matter. Like they, Mm. they did, they just didn't understand what black lives matter meant and they didn't realize how hurtful saying all lives matter could feel. Yeah. And I've had multiple people say that. So I think that I think that that's a big win. I think that people are really slowing down to listen. And um, I know that my voice is kind of a little more gentle than some voices. But I think that it's important. And for a while, I felt kind of self-conscious about that because I thought that I needed to sound more... Um, passionate than I was coming across. But then I realized that my level of passion is just fine. You know, it, it has to be authentic or else it's just not going to come through. And I think that each of us using our voices, Corinne, you using your voice, like you have such a powerful voice. And I know I've had so many people come to me from seeing your stories and you are reaching people that I wasn't reaching. I'm reaching people that other black women are reaching. Like we are all spreading our light and different crevices and spaces that other people's light can't reach. Mm-hmm. So I think that that has been a huge win. Just seeing so many people who have never spoken about this before taking a beat to, to either listen or to share others' words or to share their own thoughts, you know, to, to reflect and find their own thoughts and feelings. I think those are all big wins.
0: That's awesome. And on that note, too, about you having a little bit more of a gentle voice, I think that's one thing that is like a strength and a superpower of yours is that there are a lot of people who the message just isn't going to sink in if it's like sprinkled in with all these like F words or whatever. Like I have a mm-hmm. hard time digesting, even though I know that a lot of the the message underneath all of that is worthwhile. It's hard for yeah. me sometimes to take in things that are brought about in a really harsh way. So I think that nice. the voice that you have and the way that you present these really important messages, it's so needed. And I feel like that's why a lot of the people that I've shared it with are just gravitating toward your voice because it's presented in a way that that it allows people to sit in those feelings and think and be more thoughtful and more introspective and, and not feel like attacked or bombarded, you know? So I Mm -hmm. feel like your voice is so needed and so appreciated. So I just wanted to put that out there. Thank Um, you. Of course. I want to ask one last, well, one more question before our last question, which is (laughs) if someone feels like they messed up, if they're like, oh, I did this wrong thing, or I'm embarrassed of this in the past, or whatever, how do you feel like, um, they can make that right? Is it, do you feel like addressing things is the best? Do you feel like just kind of like moving on and not doing it anymore? Or what's your advice for someone who feels like,
1: that's good question. Sorry. (laughs) I think this is a really good question that I haven't even thought about before, but I absolutely think it is worth bringing it up. Okay. Because Please don't make it about you and like this big like I've because I I think that some people are going about and making these like I've been a racist in the past and like these you know big statements. I don't think it needs to be like that, but yeah. like personally going to that person if you can, yeah, um, that you know that you possibly could have offended, and letting them know that you're now aware of that and that you apologize and you know how you feel about that. I have had that happen to me a couple of times. And it was like stuff that was from high school, you know, that Mm -hmm. it was so long ago that you would think, you know, that I wouldn't care about anymore. And it wasn't something that I like cared about or thought about, but it was something that I remembered, you know, like I remembered and I respect that person so much for coming to me and saying that they were aware of that and they apologized. So absolutely. So either, it? So that's one thing that could happen. Like this person will forgive you, and and then your conscience probably will feel way better because yeah. maybe that was like something drag, like you've been dragging along for so long, and mm-hmm. you know to finally resolve that. Or the person might not even remember and like give you relief for that. I had someone, a woman from church, who said that she felt so bad because she had called me on my anniversary a few years ago, and I had answered, and she was asking me a question, and I said, "Oh, we're." like on an anniversary trip and she, and she had been holding, like walking around with that for years. Like I'm so, I feel so bad that I called you when you were running And I said, I don't even remember that. Like I was probably just happy to be having a phone call without the kids. Like it was, you know, so I felt so bad that she'd been hanging on to that. Um, So I think that, yes, just bringing it up and, and having these uncomfortable conversations, I think is so important. So yes, I think that like, yes, do better, you know, going forward, Mm -hmm. but I also think it's a great opportunity to bring it up if you can to that person.
0: And make it right with them individually. Right. Make it right. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. My last question for you that I always ask everyone is if there's one message that the people listening to this today, walk away and remember from your words, what do you want that one message to be?
1: Oh man, one thing. I think it would be to understand that each one of us is coming from a totally different experience and having a unique experience in life. And I think that it's important for us to look at people as individuals and love people as individuals and not classify anyone. Anyway, really, you know, co- like color of their skin, like, yes, recognize that individual for who they are and their background and their heritage. And, and the world is a diverse place, so embrace that diversity. But understand that one black person is not going to have this exact same experience as the next black person, mm-hmm. and one police officer is not going to be the exact same as the next one, you know, or in another city or anywhere. Like, we are all unique individuals, so we, we really need to to respect one another and understand that, that we're all different.
0: I love that. It's So beautifully said. I so appreciate your time today. I know this was like probably the most emotional day of a lot of days that I could have asked you Mm -hmm. to do this. So I just really, really appreciate it. And I know that there will be people who listen to this, who feel like they have been edified and uplifted and educated on this really important subject. So where can people find you if they want to follow along and continue to learn from you and grow from your perspective?
1: So my blog, cherish365.com, right on the front page, like if you scroll down, there's a diversity and inclusivity section. And if you click on read more, I have posts from the last like over decade that I've written on different thoughts and things about having multiracial kids and you know books that you can read with your kids diverse books and black history month books and you know movies to watch with your kids on disney plus with black characters and why being colorblind isn't necessarily the way to raise your kids and or or how i believe it's not um there's a lot there so you can find me there also on instagram i'm most active um just as my name jennifer bourget and i'm I reply usually. I try to reply to every DM, so that's something I've been trying to keep up with. But I love having conversations with people, and I've like seeing more open hearts these past, you know, this past few days, this past week than in a long time. And I think that that is a huge win.
0: That's awesome. We'll we'll be sure to link to those. Um, in the show notes. And again, I just so appreciate you taking the time to do this. I appreciate you. you. And thank
1: you for like always being you. And like this, you know, I know for you, this is not just a topic that is a blackout Tuesday thing. You know, this is not just a trend and I appreciate that so much. And I hope you like, you're such a great example. And I hope that people learn from your example.
0: Well, thanks, Jennifer.